Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn and Love hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast joining me from Bakersfield, California is my new friend Sophia Jones. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey. Um, Sophia is going to share her story. It's kind of a two-part story. It's going to be um, her journey to join the church. Um, She is in her mid-20s. She's in a YSA ward in Bakersfield, California, as I mentioned. She grew up in a Christian home, but in March of 2021, um, she joined the LDS church. And so she's going to share that story. And um, then she's going to share the story of being in the church and aware, becoming aware, as some people do, that they're not 100% heterosexual. In this case, Sophie identifies as asexual and a lesbian. And that's been a journey for her that she's bravely willing to share on the podcast. And part of that was um, one of our prior podcast guests gave a lesson about LGBTQ in her ward, Adam Garrett. Um, he was on the podcast in May of 2022 episode 508 and i think sophia will kind of share how that allowed her to be more just self-aware of who she is and maybe not to feel shame for who she is so our joint prayer is this podcast to be helpful for you if you're considering joining the church if you're working to stay in the church and also if you're um, becoming aware of your sexual orientation and maybe sophia's story will help you or you're just an ally or you know, just wanting to better support um, people that have joined the church, people that are LGBTQ, is all of our effort to help all all belong and feel loved and supported. Is that okay, Sophia, for an introduction? Yeah, that was really good. Thanks for sharing that. And um, I will just turn it over to you to share your story. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> Thanks for letting me share, too. Um I was um, telling Richard that I, like you said, I I did grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, and I was telling him that that was really helpful for me, knowing and being thankful for the foundation. I grew up going to church. I grew up um, loving Jesus and growing a relationship with Jesus at a young age, and I can see how that's like blessed me even being a member. Um, so yeah, I grew up Christian grew up in a Christian home, and I would say I was seeking God at a young age. Um, I remember at one point my uncle asking me, like, what is the gospel? And I couldn't really answer that. I also remember I attended ministry school um, and them asking us to stand and share the gospel with those around us. And I also kind of drew a blank on that one. Um, But I had heard of Latter-day Saints. Um, Then I said Mormons because that's what I knew. Um, Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I had watched um, some videos like on YouTube. Um, Back then, I didn't know what they were, but they were testimonies. Uh, I grew up thinking that the Latter-day Saints were uh, a part of a cult. (laughs) And I would drive by temples and uh, sadly pray that God would bring people out of the temples and to him um, because I didn't understand and I didn't know. And uh, but I remember listening to some of those stories and I remember going to my living room and telling my dad, hey, I think there's something here. (laughs) I think the Latter-day Saints are experiencing God, um, which was a different thinking for me. But I was minding my business at um, the park one day, walking my dog, and I saw some elders. And I yelled out to them, hey, are you guys Mormon? And I started to ask them questions that I don't think missionaries typically want to get uh, when you first meet them. And I gave them my number, not thinking that they're going to reach out to me. And then they they did, of course. And I knew that in our first meeting, they would give me the Book of Mormon. And so I rehearsed on the way to meet them. I would kindly tell them I don't want the Book of Mormon and I always tell people, praise God, I left with one anyways. Um, so I left with the Book of Mormon. And I didn't share this before with Richard, but I the first time I held a Book of Mormon, I was literally shaking because I was so uh, indoctrinated uh, to be afraid 
of <laughs> the Book of Mormon, which is funny to look back on. But um, so they began to teach me. And one of the first lessons they taught me was about uh, the pre-mortal, what we call the pre-mortal life, that our life didn't begin here. Um, we've known Heavenly Father for a long time. And he sent us here. And we read out Jeremiah that says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And that resonated with me. Um, I'm also adopted. So knowing that the hand of the Lord has been upon my life um, before I was even in the womb, it's pretty amazing. Um, so I began to cry and uh, I was like, wow, I'm experiencing the love of God for the first time in a long time. And shocking for me, I'm experiencing it here. Um, but I began to have spiritual experiences that were clear to me. Um, one of them I was telling Richard was um, experiencing like repentance. Uh, the missionaries didn't necessarily tell me every little thing, um, but they did tell me some things. But it was like I would just have the sense like, why am I watching this TV show? <laughs> or like, why am I a cussaholic? And slowly I started to give those things up. Um I also noticed I started to love serving people. Uh, I would tell the missionaries I'm a naturally kind of selfish person, but I began to serve people and sing while I'm doing it and find joy in doing those things and repenting of uh, different things in my life. And I called the missionaries one day and said, how do I keep this light in my life? And they told me the scary thing at that moment was you need to get baptized um, and receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was a little worried about that one, just uh, what people would think. So I got a journal at Target and I started to write all the spiritual experiences I had um, leading up to this moment where they're asking me if I would be baptized. And I felt a tingling all over my body and I stood up and I and I prayed to God and I prayed like, God, if this is of you, let it stay. If it's not, let it go. And if I need a vitamin, please also let me know. And I know now, um, having received the Holy Ghost, that that was the Holy Spirit testifying that all those spiritual experiences I had um, were leading me to the waters of baptism. And I do know that we do receive the Holy Ghost um, through the laying on of hands. It's a tangible presence I felt since being baptized. Um, I struggled with my testimony because I had to give up or replace a lot of my theology, a lot of the things I used to believe. I used to believe, for example, in heaven and hell, that uh, there was a list of people that were in and a list of people that were out. And I thought I knew who was in and out. Um, when my grandpa passed away, uh, he passed away. Um, not a believer, not believing in the way of Jesus. And so uh, months after he passed away, I would dream, sadly, of hell. I would dream that he was in that place. And so um, dealing with the death and then dealing with hell was really hard. I was scared of death before I met the missionaries. Um, I wasn't scared per se of my death. I was concerned for people's souls, concerned about where they were. And I could tell the difference uh, attending funerals after baptism. I know that's kind of mm. deep, but I wasn't scared anymore. And I was able to stand with my family and be a light in that place. And um, I mean, that's prophesied in the Bible that we will, true believers will not fear death. And I can testify that that has happened in my life. I've had to wrestle with my testimony. There was a time where I even said, I don't know if I'll be a member of the church anymore. Uh, and, but I, as I've grown, as I've surrendered to Christ and I've let him prevail, um, even when it's been hard committing to that lifetime of discipleship kind of thing, uh, it's been totally worth it. And I want people who are struggling with their testimony or are holding Latter-day Saints at a distance that we can bridge the gap and realize that if we let the spirit prevail, he will show us that Latter-day Saints are our brothers and sisters. They are Christians. They are true believers pursuing the way of Jesus. And I think we can uh, bridge the gap in our love for our brothers and sisters who are saints. And I 
I want people who are struggling in their testimony to know that the lifetime of discipleship is uh, sometimes painful. Um, I've experienced that in my own life of people not understanding or holding me at a distance, but I can promise you, <laughs> if you are a Latter-day Saint, you're listening to this right now and you are struggling in your testimony that it is worth um, persevering and enduring and leaning into faith and asking those hard questions. Um, I'm just really moved, Sophia, with your conversion story. And I realize you just shared that in 10 minutes and to do that justice would probably be a couple hours. One of the things, listeners, that always is interesting for me growing up in the church is the perspective that someone like Sophia has, who's, you know, a wonderful Christian woman growing up in a Christian faith. Um, but then she has this perspective of seeing differences that I don't fully understand. Um, and one of those that I love is your feeling about heaven is that we perhaps Christian world spends a fair amount of time and this could be true of our own faith, who's in and who's out, but a true understanding of our doctrine is what you taught is that we shouldn't fear that. We should just have faith that Heavenly Father is a plan and wonderful people like your grandpa. Um, we shouldn't self-decide now that he's out. And I love that, you know, and I sense your grandpa's a really good guy. Um, and that doesn't take you know, commandment keeping off the table and doing good yeah. things, but it just allows us to not have fear and be able to just be at peace. And so I love the perspective that that brings. I love your pointing to our doctrine of pre-earth life, which is really unique to our faith and how yeah. that gives context to your journey and all of our journey. And all of this, listeners, I think is unique doctrine that came through the restoration of the prophet Joseph Smith that gives me a testimony of Joseph Smith um, because of the unique doctrine that comes through the restoration that gives us peace in this life and perspective. So you're doing a good job. Keep sharing, Sophia. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to share a little bit about... Um, Richard and I were talking about how I, I joined, so I joined the church and there was another group of people that I was holding at an arm's distance. Um, and I feel sad to share that, but it, it was my LGBTQIA brothers and sisters. Um, I had theology that had me hold them also at a distance and hold myself at a distance. And I'm, I'm learning that, you know, there's a room at Christ's table for everyone, um, that there's always a place for God's children. And um, at a young age, I kind of realized I was different uh, in many ways. Like I have a eye deformity of being adopted or just different things. Um, and one of those things kind of was my sexuality. Um, I didn't have the lingo, um, but I remember being like, okay, I'm different. All the kids would say, oh, isn't he cute? And I would think, yeah, it's just a, it's just a boy. I'm not sure it's supposed to think he's cute. Um, and just walking around, realizing I'm different, not having the lingo for it. Um, and then um, I never had a crush on anyone. But when I returned from ministry school, I, I did have a crush on a woman. I don't know if we're allowed to say that, but yes. that's the reality I did. Um, and I I was comfortable denying it. She came into my world. Um, I would tell her, oh, my spirit leaps when I'm around you. Um, I Christianized what I was experiencing. I just assumed it was a spiritual experience or something like that. Um, when she left, I wrote a love song for her, but claimed it wasn't a love song, <laughs> claimed it was just a song of maybe what God would say to her if, if he could say something kind to her. That's a little silly, but it it is what it is. Um, and uh, throughout my life, looking back, there was many situations like that where I was scared to admit it, scared to um talk about it. And my friend, I explained to this woman that I was falling in love with about how I was different. I said, no, I don't like women. I'm just different. 
And she suggested, do you think you're asexual? And I had never heard that growing up Christian. I just heard we are to abstain from sexual relations. And that was it. And I was like, of course, I don't have any desire for that. <laughs> I'm good. And I had committed to the Lord at a young age that I wouldn't get married. I said, okay, God, I recognize that I'm different. I don't know what it is, but I won't get married. I guess that's the call that you have on my life. Um, and so when I went home and Googled asexual, I finally found the lingo to describe my experience. Um, I remember ministry school running to my pastor and uh, kind of confessing I'm different and thinking it was a sin, thinking something was wrong with me um, and that I needed to change that. The only um, kind of representation of LGBTQIA um, representation was in my ministry school. We had what we called Purity Week, um, where we talked about sexual purity. And uh, people came up from what was called the Changed Movement. They were people who stood up on the stage and said, I once was transgender. I am not by God. I once was gay. I am not by God. And while I validate their experience, I don't want to say that that's not real for them. Uh, that was all I saw. I never saw anyone get up in church and say, I'm gay and I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, and I think I would have benefited from that. Um, again, like I, I would sit at coffee shops and see I don't know if we're to say this, but pretty woman. And I would say, oh, that's just the spirit drawing me. We're probably supposed to do something together in ministry. Um, so I learned I was asexual, didn't tell anyone because I didn't want anyone to think I was against sexual relations. I understand that God, that's a God-ordained thing within marriage. And so I didn't tell anyone. Uh, but I, when I joined the church, I walked into our ward. And this also might not be correct to say, but I walked in and my LGBTQIA meter went off a little bit and I recognized, okay, we have many LGBTQIA members within our ward. Um, and this was different for me, uh, being in YSA um, and knowing that, um, I don't know if that's correct to say that there's many LGBTQIA members in our congregation. And um, one of them was, and I asked if I could share his name, was Adam. <laughs> and uh, Adam taught in our institute class. I never heard someone as a Christian come and just talk about the experience of um, gay members. And he came and shared while keeping the principles of the gospel and shared experiences and shared the stereotypical views, maybe, and some incorrect views that, like, just being gay alone is a sin or that um, the reasons why people are LGBTQIA, the misunderstandings. And um, he invited me to share at Institute about my asexuality. <laughs> and that was the first time I really told people I was asexual. I never thought I would. I didn't think I needed to. I thought it would be if I ever did get married, even though I didn't think I would. Um, it would be between me and my husband. No one needed to know, but there were asexual people there that needed to hear. And so I, I shared for the first time and I began to sit with a, a friend of mine uh, who is not a member of the church. When I joined the church, a lot of people kind of backed away or were a little intimidated and would get into debates with me. So I needed some safe places where I could just fully be myself. And I think Richard is one of those people for a lot of people on this podcast where they can just open up and be themselves. And so I started to meet with someone, uh, a close family friend who is a safe space. And um, he sat down with me and said, Sophia, tell me your story. Start from the beginning and leave nothing out. Um, so he invited me into a safe space where I could share about being both the Latter-day Saint and um, about my questions with my sexuality. And he said, if you were to walk into this space and tell me that you were a Buddhist, him being a Christian, I would love you just the same. And you could share with me about your experience. And so he really became a safe space for me. And he one day asked me, so tell me about your uh, 
journey with dating. And uh, I used to tell people uh, that I was 1000% straight. <laughs> when people would ask me, I'd say, I am 1000% straight. Like, no, nothing. Um, but it started me on a journey where because of learning that you can be a Christian and LGBTQIA and that God still loves you and he's still for you. Um, learning that I was able to go on a journey of asking God some questions and asking him questions about what he even thought about LGBTQIA members and, and what he thought of me. And in private, the Lord just began to uh, tell me that I did belong, that I am his child. Um, I began to have some of the most spiritual experiences in the journey of realizing that I am same sex attracted and that I don't have to live in shame. I think the adversary wants us to live in shame and secrecy. And if I just keep it hidden from the Lord, the Lord already knows <laughs> and he deeply loves us. Um, the Lord began to show me the word belonging uh, and he flipped it on me and said, people are longing to be. And he said, you, you've been longing to be yourself for a long time. And I invite you to be yourself in my presence. And so I came to terms with my sexuality and I began to share with those that are closest to me about it. I opened up to my dad, um, which was, uh, he responded so loving. Uh, he said, I love you. And I thank you for telling me these things. Um, he struggles with it. It's a little bit in denial, but he's still my dad and he loves me, which is awesome. I was able to tell um, three of my closest friends I've known for my whole life. Um, and they, they already knew <laughs> they were just waiting for me to tell them and they were there and loving me and support me. Um, and I told uh, uh, a Latter-day Saint about my experience who also is same-sex attracted. And uh, part of the journey uh, that was hard for me was um, someone that I confided in in private um, decided to share this personal journey that felt very raw and vulnerable. Um, share it with members in our community, in our congregation. Um, so before I was ready, the world got to know, my people got to know, uh, which started some conversations and it began a process of forgiveness for me. Um, one of the verses that kind of has helped me through it was um, Jesus on the night he was to be betrayed, he broke bread. <laughs> which is an interesting scripture on the night Jesus was to be betrayed. He broke bread. Like he could have known that his friends were just about to walk out and claim no allegiance to him. He could have flipped the table. <laughs> he could have said, Oh, you guys, you're about to leave me. But instead he leaned into communion and fellowship with his brothers and sisters um, or his brethren. Um, and it, it gave me a huge opportunity to learn the power of forgiveness and the power of, I choose not to hold people at a distance. I choose to lean into love um, and I choose to forgive. And uh, that was a huge process for me. But uh, in coming out in, I kind of reactionary came out. <laughs> I came out publicly because um, I felt like I wanted to share my story. Um, but in coming out, I've I've realized um, our ward is very kind. This church is very gracious. There's a lot of love for our LGBTQ members in our church. And a lot of people will say that that's not a reality. Um, but I have felt nothing but love from God, from our members. Um, during Pride Month, Pride Month was a huge journey for me because for the first time I was seeing both sides of the story. I was meeting LGBTQIA members within our ward for the first time. So I feel like proximity is power. Um, being around Adam, being around others who are LGBTQIA within the church and hearing their stories, I was faced with uh, having to face me, having to face what I believe on this topic. And seeing Pride Month, I normally would have just saw see the church perspective uh and i saw for the first time uh 
Christians standing on the sidelines of the pride, um, pride parades with scriptures, uh, with megaphones, <laughs> trying to convince our LGBTQIA brothers that they needed to repent simply for being gay, um, simply for being transgender. And I wondered why we weren't going into those pride parades and just eating an ice cream with our brothers or sisters or why we weren't um, engaging in some conversation or just being a friend. And I was faced with, although it was painful to watch Pride Month for the first time, uh, as at that point I was in the closet questioning uh, and I desperately wanted to see that I was loved and that my brothers and sisters were loved. But uh, I think being in proximity has really helped me to open my heart to people that I've held at a distance, including Latter-day Saints and including my LGBTQIA um, brothers and sisters. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to welcome people to my table and welcome conversations that I would have never had if I would have held on to my theology um, that held people at a distance. I questioned if I could even be married. I went from, I don't think I can even be married to, can I marry a man? <laughs> Those type of questions. When I, when I was outed, I guess I would say, I was upset and I said, I need to go and get some answers from the Lord because I'm hurting. So I bought a ticket to Utah, <laughs> a little bit of a random ticket. And I went because I was wanting to ask God about eternal family. I, I didn't have a testimony at that point of eternal family. I was questioning what that really meant. Eternal family, what does that mean? Because I'm sitting in my ward and it seems so easy for people to talk about eternal family. And here I am sitting, listening to these talks saying, I, I want that, but is that possible for me? Um, and so I flew to Utah, spent quite a lot of money for a weekend and got around the missionaries that taught me and got around some safe spaces. And I went to the temple and for the first time participated in what our church called, calls ceilings, um, where we see in proxy families be united for eternity. And in that experience, my experience isn't everyone's experience, um, but in my experience, I learned that I can um, be married and that that is a desire and that families can be united. And I think that's a beautiful thing as I saw children be united to their families. Um, and I went to Utah feeling quite hopeless, feeling like there wasn't a place for me in the church. Every Sunday, I would wonder, is there a place for me? I don't think so. <laughs> um, but I left Utah knowing that there is a place for me and there's a place for every LGBTQIA um, member, whatever that looks like. For me, I I am turning towards a temple, towards a temple marriage. Um, and I believe it is possible for me. Um, and I think it's a beautiful thing. And there are times when talks about eternal marriage is hard for me. It's, and I know it's hard for my brothers and sisters. And so on those times when those talks are said, though I believe they're beautiful, I try my best to reach out to those I know who are gay or transgender or lesbian and ask, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Um, because often in the church, um, I, I'm not sure we're, we're aware that there are people sitting within those conversations who are really having an internal battle um, with their own story of what that means for them. And I think if we can reach out and maybe maybe even change the lingo from it's a weakness to be gay, it's a struggle to you are a blessing, you have strength in this word. Uh, my friend Adam told me that uh, part of him being gay is not just a sexual orientation. It's part of also who he is, part of his personality. He's a person that you just feel safe around him. You feel welcomed. And that's just part of how God wired him. And I think if we can help people feel like you're, you're not a weakness and you're not a burden, you are welcome um, no matter your attraction. You have a place in the kingdom of God. It would change everything, I think. And I'm thankful for those who have 
helped me have more of an open heart towards myself and towards others. Sophia, I'm just so moved um, with your maturity, your thoughtfulness, your self-awareness. And I'm looking at my volume listeners because we just changed machines and I can't figure out if my volume's working. I know Sophia's is, and that's more important. But anyway, um, I've got some high-level questions, but just a kind of a um, a basic vocabulary question. If someone's wondering what the definition of asexual is, will you just share with us the definition? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people um, aren't aware of asexuality, but uh, for me personally, asexuality is that I don't have sexual attraction and typically uh, towards a guy or a woman. Uh, and typically people say, well, you just don't know. <laughs> you just don't know because you kept a lot of chastity. I was like, no, it's kind of a hardwiring. Um, you just know. It's just like as my gay brothers and sisters know that they're gay. I know I'm asexual. Um, and people say, well, do you have a hormone issue? <laughs> you know, is it, does something happen? Like, and they start to reason that an asexual is, it just is. We don't have sexual attraction. And typically I thought I would never tell anyone that, but I think it helps people know nothing's wrong with you. There's actually other people just like you who experience this. Um, My community actually across from the congregation, my father pastors has a community for LGBTQIA members to talk with one another and they have a support group. I didn't know until uh, I started to be more affirming, affirming towards myself that this is a safe place and they have a support group where you can talk with other asexuals. And it's been so helpful to know I'm not the only one. It it takes a huge relief of shame off of you to know that there are other people just like you. Um, thank you. And then I think you also call yourself a lesbian. So some might say, well, you can't be both. Help us. <laughs> so I know you've explained this before. Will you explain it for our listeners? Yeah, um, I used to not, I was so scared of the word lesbian. I couldn't even say it. When I started uh, attending the support group, I was comfortable saying same-sex attracted, um, but I could not, I can even put the word lesbian on my lips. Uh, um, now I'm much more comfortable using that that term. Um, I am a asexual lesbian um, because I don't have, sexual attraction at all. I know that's a personal thing, but I do have romantic attraction. Um, you know, the butterflies, the, oh, they're so beautiful. And so I think if we differentiate between sexual and romantic and um, different types of attractions, I do have attraction. And that's why I use the label lesbian, because I've never been attracted to a man, but I've been attracted to a woman. It's really helpful. It's helpful. And I'm not sure I've had a guest that's sort of talked about both of those. Um, So that's really helpful. And listeners, I remember Ben Shalotti, who, you know, his sexual attraction, if you're aware of his story, is towards men. So he, but he also, um, in a blog post, maybe six months or a year ago, talked about my, you know, I'm just orientated towards men, just like you kind of talked about. It's not just sexual, it's emotional, it's intellectual. I'm completely wired to connect with men. And I think the difference, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this may just help me understand is the difference between you and Ben Shalotti is you're not talking about sexual attraction. Um, He is lumping that in with this whole orientation towards men while you're separating that and saying, I'm asexual and I'm emotionally, you didn't say intellectually, you may be intellectually, romantically um, connect with women. And so that's why you're reusing the label of lesbian. Is that okay? I don't want to yeah. put words in your mouth. Well, that's but... great. You, you said it exactly correct. And a lot of people get confused um, about asexuality and being a lesbian. So I, I'm glad you asked that because that does clarify that experience. Yeah. Um, it, there's some things about your story that are unique because you didn't grow up LDS and you grew up in a Christian community where you um, grew up in a in a culture, you know, where this was seen just orientation itself as a, as not consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 
I think you do a really good job of talking about just the difference between where our church is and where some Christian churches are and and maybe more importantly where God is, because part of your story is you're just asking God about how he feels about Sophia Jones being asexual and lesbian. And that's a big part of our faith, listeners, is personal revelation and a direct link to Heavenly Father. And I love people that aren't, I love people that are straight talking to God, but I love the stories of people that um, aren't straight and some of the internalized homophobia comes out of them as they talk to God and realize, as you shared in your podcast, that God loves Sophia Jones and all of Sophia Jones. And he's not, he doesn't feel shame um, or would turn sideways when, you know, he knows about this part of you. Uh, my feeling is your heavenly parents created you as intended, and you should look in the mirror like you're doing right now and feel I'm not a mistake. And that puts you on the same moral footing as your straight YSA friends and and then take shame out of the equation because you're not feeling these feelings, these um, romantic feelings or emotional feelings are, I just think we need to normalize feelings, listeners. So if somebody's straight and they have romantic or emotional feelings, there's no shame around that. And I think we should extend that to our LGBTQ friends. Our church is separated orientation from behavior. So with orientation, it become crutches and normal feelings. And I think we do better just to say that's part of who I am. And I shouldn't feel shame for that. God doesn't. Um, it's sort of what we do with those feelings. But I think Satan can take that shame and say, because I feel this way or have a crush, then God doesn't like me. So I'm separating myself away from God. And I think that leads to less good behavior. <laughs> That's not really a word. So you also said a really good phrase. I wrote down some things. Um, God still loves you and is still here for you. Uh, people, yeah. you just had some zingers, Sophia. Like, I've heard God still loves you, but this phrase, God is still here for you is really powerful. Yeah. Um, that is our doctrine. Um, and I love that. Um, I love your line, proximity is power. And um, I thought that was really important. I wrote down, um, let's see, I wrote down some other things. I recognize, you know, back to the Christian experiences, you've had that one youth camp, I think, where um, you ex extended a lot of grace to those people that said, I was trans and now I'm cis or I was gay and now I'm straight. And it was very kind of you to extend grace to them if that's their experience. But where I get uncomfortable listeners is where we weaponize stories. And so we take, you know, those stories and say to somebody that identifies as gay or trans and say, here's this is how you should be living your life. Here are some examples of some people. And um, I think we do better when we just honor people's stories. Like that friend of yours that just said, I want to hear your whole story um, yeah. with no agenda and just completely affirming. And I just, I love that. So uh, my experience is very, I haven't had, my experience is people are pretty genuine. So most of that conversion therapy or those camps or, those people that have declared they've become straight, you know, that's kind of unwinded generally. So I think we need to be cautious to <clears throat> take someone else's story and say that should be your story. I so, think I think sometimes we we say gay agenda. I don't know if anyone's heard that term. Like the gays have an agenda. And I, I don't mean this insulting, but I think sometimes as Christians, we've had an agenda. Our agenda is let's change you. We can't handle this right now. So uh, the gays need a change. And I think when we have a Christian agenda and it demands that our gay brothers and sisters change to belong, um, we are guilty of having our own agenda. I think when we leave the tape, the agenda off the table and keep the agenda to be loving, then we're reaching what our heavenly father desires. Um, you used another line you used is Christ tables for everybody. A couple times you've mentioned um, table fellowship or table, everybody's welcome. Do you want to talk more about that? Is that from 
your prior Christian upbringing, or is that all new since you joined the church? And obviously, that's part of Christ's ministry. Do you want to share any more with our listeners? Because I love your your image, visual imagery of the table. Um, in my house, I I have a a painting or writing above my table that says something like, "We all have a place at His table." Um, as I've been coming out, that's just kind of been a line that I've kept in my mind is I'm picturing in my mind sitting at the table of Christ, um, maybe even in the eternities. And I'm sitting across from people that maybe I spent my whole life judging. And um, I want to make sure that when I sit at the table of Christ, that um, I can look at Jesus and smile and see that we all had a have a place at his table. And so I'm trying to live my life as if all of us have a place at the table of Christ. And so I use that lingo a lot because in my mind, almost daily, I picture um, sitting at the table of Christ um, with those maybe I spent my whole life judging. And I want to make sure I'm loving everyone so that when I sit at that table, I know that I loved everyone sitting there. That makes any sense. You're very attuned to Christ's ministry and um, the table fellowship that some people talk about where everybody is welcome at Christ's table and the symbolism of that and that culture and eating together. And um, I think that there's, you know, no barriers, there's no walls, there's just table fellowship. Um, here's a tender question. Um, some might say, I think you can handle this. Some might say, Sophia, you want to marry a man. I get that. But then you probably shouldn't tell everybody that you're asexual and lesbian because that's just going to complicate your path to marry a man. So I think you can handle that question. Will you share with us your thoughts on that? Like, why are you sharing about your sexuality if if your aim is to marry a man? Yeah, because that might derail that whole plan. Hey, they're right. It is a struggle um, in the dating world. It makes it more complicated when you say you're an asexual. They typically go, oh, no, like uh, we got to change you. Or you say you're a lesbian um, to a man. It also is a huge. Oh, well, I don't want to marry a lesbian, Um, but I think it's important just for me. And I don't know if it's for everyone, but I think it's important for me because I was living in shame about that. And I don't want to get married one day and then them find out towards the end (laughs) or that it destroys a marriage because I kept that to myself. I think for me personally, the way that I want to live with the church and with Christ and with others, is just, this is what it is. Um, and I, I don't know if that's wrong or if that will change for me, but right now I just want to live my life open. When I realized that I was same sex attracted or a lesbian, I made sure that, um, my Bishop knew just just because I think it's important just to live honest and open. And so I don't know what the future looks like for me. Like how would that work with marriage uh, being so open? But I just feel like that's my call personally is to live open. I don't know how to help people in that situation, but I feel that's my call. I thought you'd give a really good answer. That was a terrific answer, Sophia. I mean, 10 years ago, my younger self would have said, you shouldn't tell anybody about this. Maybe you could open up in the dating process and maybe you should, but now I recognize um, that whoever marries you, and I would give you hope a man's going to marry you, would love your openness and your vulnerability and being authentic and being at peace with who you are. And that is part of the reason he'll fall in love with you is because you're so open and vulnerable and real and authentic and genuine that that will be part of the reason he'll fall in love with you and he'll recognize that's the kind of woman I want to live my life with. And that's the kind of model I want for my own, our own kids in a marriage and in a family culture. Now, some men may say, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I think you know that, do. but you don't have to marry, you don't have to marry every man. You just have to marry um, a man who's probably pretty confident in who he is and is pretty self-assured. So I'm not trying to be your bishop or your friend here, but I, I get Um, I think it's a sign of incredible self-maturity and self-awareness and self-confidence to be so open. And, and I, when I, you know, in the first book I wrote listeners, I talked about people that aren't straight dating and I encourage them 
just like you obviously have done because you're public, is talk about this before you get engaged, kind of in the stage when you're maybe not on the first date, but it could be, but certainly before you get engaged and let each get personal revelation for, is this the right path? And that revelation may result in a, in a separation of dating, but it may not. And it's back to our doctrine that God has a plan and God gives us each personal revelation. And all of us on the sidelines shouldn't be saying, well, Sophia, here's some marriages that fail that are like yours. And so yours is going to fail. We should all be on the sidelines saying, I love and support you. And I will walk with you on the road that you feel is best with you. And you have a direct link to God. And I don't for you. I have personal revelation doesn't give me the right to get to assess your personal revelation. Um, That's our doctrine. So I just think I loved your answer there. And and that's a good reminder for all of us as we're just trying to support others versus be prescriptive in how to live their lives. More thoughts on that? It's kind of a tender subject. I don't know if anything else came oh, to your mind. It's good. I, I, I'm not sure I have a lot of heavy reviews or, or uh, information to give people, but I would say that from my own story again, that I thought I would never get married. In fact, I was convinced of that until maybe like five years ago or something around there. Marriage isn't for me. I commit to that Lord. And he had to speak to me very clearly and personally that, no, I do have marriage for you. That is a possibility for you. And even in the recent months, he's uh, just the revelation that I get is that he's not a God who's withholding. Um, He didn't make me this way and set me up to fail. And Mm. so if my heart's desire is for marriage, it's a different and more complicated road. Um, but he's not a God who's withholding the desires of my heart for me. And so if anyone's listening and you feel that God is withholding from you, he's not. He loves you and he will make a way and help you along the journey if that's your desire. It's really powerful stuff you're sharing with us. Um, you, you know, I'm really moved because listeners, I don't often know anything about our guests. and. Here you are in your mid-twenties with not much to internalize homophobia that I can sense. (laughs) Oh, I've had a lot, but... But you're not like decades of woundedness being in this road and being on the shame road for decades. And um, you seem pretty confident in who you are and pretty shame-free about your sexual orientation. Now, you may not be at the finish line, but you're in a really good spot. And I think you're then your ability to get personal revelation from God and get a feeling for your path and being open to maybe marriage can work. And I love that you go to the temple and I love that you went to Utah and you're just continually trying to, you know, write your own story with God. And I love Elder Bednar's talk listeners about personal revelation. Often it doesn't come like the light switch where the whole room lights up and you know, every year for the rest of your life, exactly how it's going to work out. It's mostly fog and you just know the next step you're going to take and you see enough fog lift to know the next step you're going to take. And that's certainly been my story with personal revelation. Um, But it seems to be your story. So here you are. I'm sure at 17, you never imagined you'd be um, a member of the LDS church talking about being asexual and lesbian on a podcast that's going to listen to 20,000 People, I think you're really brave. The other thing I wrote down, listeners, is kind of this assumption that obviously I, you know, this podcast is trying to dispel is that somehow being LGBTQ in itself is a bad outcome. And so that's something that people, you know, the, some in the Christian world, perhaps even in our own faith, feel like, well, that's an undesirable outcome. Something went wrong. Um, so we're trying to fix people by having speakers come that were LGBTQ that are now straight, because the whole assumption of that whole world is that being queer or being LGBTQ is not a desirable outcome. And I think you're helping us, as well as other guests like Adam Garrett, your friend, help us realize that this is a good outcome, just like being straight is a good outcome, and it's part of the needed diversity. Being trans is a good outcome. It's an equal outcome to being cis. Yeah, being trans, um, society makes that road harder. 
And there's a lot of political rhetoric around that. But it, it, it in itself, being trans or lesbian or gay or asexual is not a bad outcome. And we need, in the spirit of belonging, like you've talked to us, do what we can to do in our circle of influence to help everybody feel like they belong. Because I think back to the table, the table's full of all the diversity of Christ's children or Heavenly Father's children and what we can do in our combined effort to lift the hands of others because of our beautiful differences and needed differences. And we can do more in diversity, lifting other people's hands and perhaps in just sameness. Yeah, um, I think keep, often I've heard, sorry, no. often I've heard um, when I've come out to members of like, I'm sorry that you struggle with that. And it's a good sentiment. I'm like, oh, thanks. But I also struggle with that because I'm like, oh, you see it, see it as a weakness. You see that I'm struggling. And I, I don't want to take away from that. It is sometimes a struggle. Um, I know a lot of my brothers and sisters who say it feels like a struggle for them. And it is a struggle for me in the dating world and wanting marriage and and it's going to be a longer road for me. That is the struggle. But I, I don't struggle with being an asexual or a lesbian. And I think sometimes I've also heard like, well, it's just cultures. Culture is getting to you. It's popular <laughs> to be LGBTQIA or um, you're just being influenced. No, I wasn't influenced. I was able to have people that were safe for me. And that helps me with the lingo. And I think children having lingo at younger age, if I would have had the lingo or known that I'm not alone, I would have not lived in shame. If if I would have known that I'm normal, that it's a human experience younger, it would have been nice. And so I think in our culture, we see people getting lingo earlier. And I, I kind of think in some ways, in my personal opinion, that's a good thing. Um, some of my family members uh, identify in the LGBTQIA space, and they're much younger than me, and they already have the lingo, and and they have Christ, and so I know that God is leading them, and I'm glad they have the lingo um, earlier, so that they don't have to walk some of the roads that I had to walk through. So I don't think it's to be culturally relevant. When I was praying about it, I said, Lord, I neither want to be culturally relevant and I don't want to be church obliged. I want to do what wow. you want me to do. And so I think it's not a cultural trend, in my opinion. Um, and I think, like you said, seeking that personal revelation is what's going to get you through and help you. Wow. So thoughtful. Um, you know, we obviously, as Latter-day Saints, grateful you joined the church and trust you. and. I hope we extend the same grace to trust you as you, you know, understand your sexual identity and then are willing to share that. Even though, as Latter-day Saints, the second thing may make us, these people by age, a little more uncomfortable. We may say, well, that's culture. And But I love this idea that, you know, Brene Brown says, people are hard to hate, close up, move in. And Another principle that I like is the trap of unearned opinions is I shouldn't develop opinions. You were honest with some opinions about you had about Mormons before you um, heard from Mormons firsthand. One of my favorite institute teachers, Michael Wilcox, used to tell us, if you want to know the best about Judaism, don't talk to somebody who's left Judaism. Talk to someone who loves Judaism and is practicing and it's their faith. So if you want to know the best about Latter-day Saints, don't talk to those that have left. Talk to those that have joined or those that are um, part of the faith. If you want to talk about LGBTQ people, you know, this is part of my repentance is I let straight people define LGBTQ people for me until in a rebuke of the Spirit, God said you ought to let LGBTQ people define LGBTQ people for you, and then you'll see them the way I see them. And that was really an important um, rebuke of the Spirit for me that occurred. Um, some of you know that story. As I was a YSA bishop, I had had a couple of gay men opened up to me about being gay. Um, so the really thoughtful guest, Sophia. More things that come to your mind? We've got a few more minutes. If you've got other things you'd like to share. Let me see here. Yeah, I think the other thing I'd like, you look at your notes and... 
I don't know if there's full-time missionaries listening to this that are LGBTQ. Once in a while, I get a note or an email, and um, I don't know what the rules are about listening to podcasts on your mission, but I thought of you um, during this podcast, um, you wonderful women and men that are out um, bringing people unto Christ that may be closeted or maybe out and wondering about your future. Um, you're some of my heroes for the work you're doing to bring people unto Christ as well as you're navigating um, how it works to be queer and a Latter-day Saint. And some of that can be on hold right now if you're a missionary. And that's maybe a welcome break because you don't have to deal with that to some mostly because you're just unified as missionaries trying to bring people unto Christ. But I recognize that, you know, when you get home from your mission, you're going to have to figure out your future. But as Sophia was sharing her story, I think there's some principles that hopefully help you. And maybe those of you that are younger, that are closeted, that are planning on serving a mission or wondering if you can, I would encourage you to to serve a mission, even if you don't know your future. Um, and you may not, you know, you may wonder how it's all going to work post-mission being queer and a Latter-day Saint, but that's, there's some things in Sophia's story that I think might be helpful in your own journey. And just this line upon line personal revelation that is coming to Sophia that will come to you. And, and then your work, um, if you're a current missionary or a future missionary, to bring people unto Christ and you're, you know, and to help the Sophias of the world um, that want to have more understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a better relationship with God, understanding of the plan of salvation, Christ, being able to bring that in people's lives um, will help you in your own life. But also, um, I think Sophia's story gives you principles as you write your own story as a queer Latter-day Saint. So I thought of all of you out there that are on missions or getting ready for missions that Maybe some of you aren't out, and I think that's okay. I don't. I think you can be out to God, and maybe use your mission experience to develop your relationship with God, and talk to Him about your sexual orientation, your gender idea, identity, and get a feeling how God feels about you, and hopefully try to get at peace with who you are and get the shame out of the equation, so you, the rest of your life, like Sophia's, can be possible. And you can bring people into Christ. So that's kind of a tangent for anybody that's walking that road. But I thought Sophia's story was, would be so helpful for some of you. Uh, more thoughts that come to mind. Back to you, Sophia. Well, that's really good. I'm so thankful for the missionaries that taught me. Shout out to them. They're amazing. And I love what, that you said that. I, I questioned at one point uh, through this whole journey, can I be a Christian and can I be a lesbian. And I, I'm ashamed to say that, but I really did wrestle with that. Can I like a little bit of what you were saying? Like, can I be a Christian and can I be gay? And I started to listen to outside voices that were saying you can't. I started to listen to people who are not believers. Um, and they kind of influenced me and I had to come back and realign to you no, know, Jesus knew that I was a lesbian before I even realized myself or came to terms with it and he loves me. And you absolutely, if you desire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and you're gay, those aren't incompatible. They are absolutely in my mind compatible, but I love what you said for the missionaries that are out serving. I love that. Um, how do people reach you? Will we tag you? Are you on Facebook or Instagram? Just in case anybody wants to DM you. I am, and you asked me to have that ready, and I'm trying to remember my... Um, you don't have to tell us. We can just link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have Instagram. I don't really, uh, like, post a lot on my, like, um, I post a lot on stories, but not on my... So we'll put your... Is it okay if we put your Instagram in the show notes? Yeah. Okay, so um, we'll put Sophia's Instagram in the show notes if for some reason you want to reach out to Sophia. and. Um, it's just a terrific podcast. I wish people could see you vi visually because I can, and you're just full of light and goodness and hope and represent the best of the world, Sophia. And you are helping a lot of people feel like they're loved, belong, and are needed. And um, you're on a mission of your own 
um, to improve our culture, to talk about tender subjects, to build your own life, to be brave enough to be out in your YSA ward and on this podcast. You're really remarkable, courageous, wonderful woman. So I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. And anything else you'd like to share in closing? Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm very <laughs> thankful and I'm 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 thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I really am. It's something I've prayed for and longed for for so long. And I'm so thankful that missionaries found me and endured with me, endured my questions, endured uh some of the tough questions I had. And if you're struggling with your testimony, I'm I'm here just saying that the Lord can help you grow a testimony and um, if you are gay or transgender or a lesbian or asexual, I hope that you feel safe and that you belong in our congregation because you do. And you may have heard that a lot, but I hope you receive and seek that personal revelation to hear that from your heavenly father, um, because it'll change you and you'll feel free and liberated. And I hope if you're dealing with shame like I was, that you would allow the love of the father to uh, to remove that shame because you are welcomed and he created you beautifully and wonderfully. And, um, I hope you feel that belonging of heaven and I hope you feel that belonging in our community. Um, and if you are asexual or lesbian, or you just need someone to talk to, um, I hope that you will reach out to me and that we can communicate it. I know there are people in your local congregation who love you too. Thank you, Sophia Jones. This is Sophia Jones and Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>